He once said, I am a Christian cleverly disguised as an artist. And his personal mission statement is to reclaim the arts for Christ. Maybe that's why he's my favorite artist and why several of his pieces decorate the walls in our home. Ron DeCiani grew up in Chicago, attended the American Academy of Art, and eventually embarked on a career in commercial illustration. He did lots of work, worked for large corporations like McDonald's and many others, but something was still missing in his life. And then in 1989, Ron decided he needed more than the comforts that were afforded by a successful career. That year, he created a painting called Spiritual Warfare, and that launched a new phase in his life. And it also launched something of a revolution in Christian art. It's a profound piece of art showing a father praying at the bedside of his sleeping son with the shadow of the cross falling across that little boy and angelic beings waging war in the sky just outside his window. It's a powerful picture of the importance of a parent's prayer. In 2013, Ron DeCiani created the painting, Before I Formed You in the Womb. It depicts the hand of Jesus gently touching the belly of an expectant mother. And it's very significant. In a world where 125,000 babies are aborted every day, this piece not only affirms that life is precious, but it is also a very personal painting for Ron DeCiani. Because in 1951, his parents, his grandmother, his aunt, and his brother all shared one very cramped inner city apartment on Chicago's north side. Another baby seemed like an unbearable burden, so Ron's pregnant mom went to have an abortion. She was already on the table, and the doctor was all set to give her the first injection that would initiate the procedure. But back at home in that cramped little apartment, Ron's Pentecostal grandmother was praying. And as the needle came within an inch of his mother's arm, she heard the voice of God saying, don't do this. I have a plan for this baby. And she literally slapped the needle away walked out of that clinic and gave Ron a chance to live. I love so many of his paintings, but The Prodigal is another one that is very special to me, and a limited edition of that print hangs in my office at home. It portrays a weeping, worshiping father in biblical garb, and he's embracing his wayward son, now come home, The boys dressed in modern clothing, and a servant runs toward them carrying a robe and sandals. The subtle form of a dove in the sunlit clouds and the shadow of the cross on the ground of the harvest field, they complete the picture of a warm welcome back to Father's house. It's beautiful. Tonight, I'd like to use one of Ron DeCiani's beautiful Christmas paintings as the backdrop for our Bible study. It's called Simeon's Moment. 
and it captures the joy of this elderly man as he holds the infant Jesus in the temple courtyard. A map of the world is superimposed on the scene because this little Messiah will become salvation for all people and a light to lighten the Gentiles. And aren't you glad about that? So literally, Simeon's moment becomes our moment too. We usually read the Christmas story from the first 20 verses of Luke chapter 2. But tonight I want to take you 40 days after the manger. Two rituals were required by the law of Moses after the birth of a boy. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant that God first made with Abraham and it was required of every Jewish male child. And so Jesus was circumcised and officially named on the eighth day after his birth. Luke 2, verse 21. But the amazing thing on that day was that this baby, he was the one who would later say, before Abraham was, I am. So that baby was literally the God who had initiated that covenant with Abraham in the first place. Jesus didn't need an official ceremony in the Jewish temple on the eighth day for his name to be revealed because his name had already been revealed and announced and worshiped by angelic hosts. Circumcision was only the beginning. After 40 days, Mary and Joseph had to return to the temple for her purification ceremony in Luke 2, verse 22 and 23. That ceremony is described in Leviticus 12. And they also had to redeem their boy according to Numbers 18 because the firstborn of the human family and the firstborn of the animal kingdom had to be redeemed. And so since Jesus was Mary's firstborn son, they had to redeem him. On that 40th day, they would pay five shekels of silver to redeem that firstborn son. But on that 40th day, it's an amazing picture to think about. They are redeeming the Redeemer who would one day redeem all of us with his precious blood. The law also required them, maybe this is the most beautiful to me, the law required them to bring a lamb for the sacrifice on that 40th day unless they were too poor to afford a lamb and then the law provided for those who didn't have the funds that they could bring two pigeons or two turtle doves. And according to Luke 2.24, that is exactly what Mary and Joseph had to do because they were poor. They couldn't afford to buy a lamb. But Mary walked into that temple holding the lamb of God in her arms. It's beautiful. And it's on this day, the 40th day after the manger, the 40th day after Jesus' birth, it's on this day that they encounter an old man named Simeon in the temple courtyard. He holds no official position in the temple, but he just comes there often because the Bible says he is a just and a devout man. And unlike so many of the other religious leaders that actually work in the temple, Simeon is actually expecting the Messiah to appear. 
Others have forgotten it. Others are too busy to think about it. Others are too distracted by everyday life. But this elderly man comes to the temple every day expecting that today could be the day that the Messiah appears. Because God has given Simeon a promise. God has revealed to him that he will see the Christ in his lifetime. And he has been praying and believing and holding on to that promise for years. And Luke tells us in his account of this elderly man. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Everyone say consolation. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon was led by God's spirit to go to the temple on this day, at this very hour, at this specific moment. Because for decades, he has been waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation is a messianic term because the old prophet Isaiah 600 years earlier had spoken repeatedly of God's comfort that would come. He said things like this, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. And here the prophet foretells John the Baptist's ministry. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Let me tell you, if God ever speaks something, it shall, it will, it must come to pass. Isaiah said it repeatedly all through his writing. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and he will have mercy upon his afflicted. He said, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So it's everywhere in the prophet Isaiah's writing. Now, 30 years from this very moment, Jesus will read these next words in a synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth. That's 30 years in the future. But right now on this day, the 40th day past the manger, in this prophetic moment, the elder Simeon literally, ooh, literally holds the consolation of Israel in his arms. 
30 years from this moment, Jesus will stand in the synagogue in Nazareth in his hometown and he will say, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. My goodness, I feel like backing up and reading that whole verse again because that's more than just spiritual stuff. That's happened to people in this room. He has been sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound. He has come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Watch, to comfort all that mourn, to be the consolation from heaven for all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, even God's people who from time to time in this everyday human life, we are called upon to go through times of sadness and hurt and pain and mourning. But here's the good news, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Here's a good one. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Every once in a while, you've just got to overlook the heaviness that is upon you and you've got to put on a garment of praise. You say, I don't want to put on. Well, the scripture tells you to put on. Ignore what the devil's saying. Ignore what your circumstances are saying to you and put on the garment of praise in the place of the spirit of heaviness. Here's what you'll find. Your emotions will eventually catch up with your praise. Your emotions will eventually catch up with the Holy Ghost that is in you. That they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he, the ultimate purpose is that he might be glorified. Whew. <laughs> I love preaching Christmas stuff. The word consolation in the Greek language of the New Testament is paraklesis, and it means called near to help. And that's why the phrase, the consolation of Israel, what Simeon was waiting for, longing for, hoping for, expecting, looking for, the phrase, the consolation of Israel, embodies the hope of the Jewish people because paraklesis or consolation means called near to help. And here's what the Jewish people knew, that when their call is answered and when their comfort comes, it will be the Messiah with them to help them. But watch this. The word consolation in the New Testament is almost identical to the word for comforter in the Greek language. That word is parakletos, and it means one called near to help. Does the New Testament ever talk anywhere at any time about the comforter? You know that it does. Paraklesis is the promise, but parakletos is the person. The consolation is God with them, but the comforter who will be God in them. 33 years from this very moment, 
Jesus will speak these words to his troubled disciples at the Last Supper. It will be just before he goes to Calvary. The, 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 the environment in Jerusalem will be very treacherous and dangerous. And the disciples will have a sense that Jesus is not long for this world. And the, the, the Pharisees and the chief priests and the scribes and the Sadducees, they're, they're on the attack and they're looking for Jesus. And it's not going to end well. And the disciples are nervous. And Jesus will speak these words to him. That is 33 years in the future from the manger. But right now on this day, in this prophetic moment, the elder Simeon holds the one who will be the comforter of the apostolic church. And he holds him in his arms. 33 years from Simeon's moment, Jesus will say this, to his disciples. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. Why do you know him? For he dwelleth with you and shall be. In you, And then Jesus gives them the prophetic punchline. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The Holy Ghost is not a little piece of Jesus. It's not a spirit that's similar to Jesus. The Holy Ghost in you is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Jesus that was born in a manger. The Jesus that walked the streets of Jerusalem and the shores of Galilee. The Jesus who died was buried and rose again. He is here tonight. He's our special guest tonight. He is not here in physical form. He's not here as a baby or a boy or a man. He's here by the awesome power of his eternal spirit and that is the comforter. My goodness. He said it this way, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. This is why it's so important for you to have the Holy Ghost, the comforter in your life because when you're distanced from your Bible and you're distanced from the sanctuary and you're distanced from pastor's voice and it's just a normal, average, everyday, morning, noon, night, it's just one of those days and you don't have any resources and the church worship team isn't singing and the church family isn't praying but if you've got the comforter, you've still got a word from God in your spirit. Jesus said, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Holy Ghost isn't given to you so you can just have a private bless me club. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. The Holy Ghost will teach you the word of God. The Holy Ghost will give you the desire to submit to the word of God. The Holy Ghost is Jesus. It's the spirit of truth and it will repeat to you what the word says. And Jesus said this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient 
It's not only necessary, it's expedient. Expedient means it's necessary, but it's also beneficial. It is expedient for you that I go away. Now the disciples at this moment, they don't want to hear that, but he says it anyway. It's going to be of benefit to you. In fact, it's necessary that I go away for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. You see, because of the nature of the incarnation, God robed in a body of flesh, God a baby in a manger, God a boy in the temple, God a man walking the streets of Jerusalem, because of the nature of the incarnation, the almighty God limited himself. It was the great condescension. He limited himself to one body, one place at one time for 33 and a half years. That's why he said to his disciples, it's a benefit to you if I go away because if I go away we're not in the incarnation anymore now we're in the manifestation of the Holy Ghost I can put my spirit in tens of thousands of my people and they can do what I can do they can pray and God can answer they can see miracles signs and wonders in fact you know that Jesus said and greater things than these shall you do why because I go to my father mm. the devil thought he was having a bad time when Jesus was on the earth walking around the devil did not know how good he had it because if Jesus was over there in Jericho, he couldn't be over here in Jerusalem. And if Jesus was over there in Jerusalem, he couldn't be up there in the Galilee. The devil thought he had it bad. He didn't know how good he had it. Because once the day of Pentecost happened and 120 received the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, and then it spread to 3,120 in a single day, and then it's 5,000 here and 3,000 more there, and eventually it's cities and it's, it's regions being impacted. All of a sudden, the devil is encountering the power of God in human vessels. That's why Peter and John could walk into the temple at the hour of prayer and say, silver and gold have I none but such as I have. What do you got, Peter? I've got the Holy Ghost inside of me. I've got Jesus living in me. I've got the comforter in me. Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. We celebrated a miracle in this church on Sunday. You see, the Holy Ghost that works through your prayers is the same spirit that was in the man Christ Jesus. It was the favorite song of the Azusa Street Revival over a century ago. They sang it just about every service. The comforter has come. The comforter has come. It's the Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round wherever man is found because the comforter has come. The comforter's here tonight. You see, those Greek words, paraklesis is the promise, but parakletos is the person. The consolation, that's God with them. We've got something greater. It's not just the consolation, God with them. Now we have the comforter, God in us. And back to Simeon's moment. 
Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple. And when those parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law on the 40th day, Mary's day of purification, Jesus' day of being redeemed under the law for five shekels of silver. On that day, Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and he blessed God and he began to speak. You see, throughout their history, the people of Israel had suffered greatly. They'd suffered with generations of slavery, centuries of conflict, decades of exile. And many of them hoped that the Messiah, the consolation of Israel, would now help them throw off the yoke of Rome so they could be free politically. But the comfort that Jesus brought to them was far better than political freedom could ever be because he came to set them free spiritually. You may not be a political science major, and even if you are, your university or school or college may have buried this in the dust of those dusty old books. But you only have to be a student of human history to realize that every nation where the gospel of Jesus Christ has penetrated in great measure, that's a free nation. And every nation, every culture and religion where the gospel has not penetrated, look around your world. You don't need a Bible. You don't need a pastor to tell you this. All you need to do is look around your world. Look at those nations, those cultures, those regions, those religions where the gospel has not penetrated. And you will find tyrants and dictators and you'll find people enslaved in all kinds of ideologies and false religion and darkness and even persecution. I'm so glad that the consolation came to me. I'm so glad that it's not just the consolation with me, it's the comforter in me. And because of that, Jesus said, he that the Son has set free, he is free indeed. I'm grateful for a wonderful, blessed nation like Canada. I'll tell you what I'm way more grateful for. I'm grateful I don't live in a free nation in the jail of my own spirit. I'm glad I don't live in a free nation bound up in my own addiction. I'm glad I don't live in a free nation and I'm still a slave to sin. He that the Son has set free, he's really free, truly free. Oh, I wish you'd worship him for a second. That would, that would be good. I don't mean that. I mean worship him. Lift up your voice and your hands and everything you got, your words and your vocabulary. I mean worship him. The comforter has come. The comforter is here. He's not just with us or near us. He's in us. Thank you, God. Whoo. I just need to take a time out because some of you, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You have the comforter living in you. I wish you'd just give vent to that and just worship him and pray in the spirit for a little bit. That's the comforter. He's your comfort in time of sorrow, in time of persecution, in time of darkness and trouble, in time of opposition. The comforter has come. Oh, yes, Jesus. Yes, God. 
It doesn't matter what I go through if the comforter is with me. It doesn't matter what I have to go through if the comforter lives inside of me. After all those years of hoping and longing and praying and looking for the consolation of Israel, God allowed Simeon, imagine, to hold the Messiah in his arms. And when that old man looked into the face of that little baby that was just a little over a month old, 40 days, when he looked into the face of that child, that old elder of Israel saw the fulfillment of all the hopes and prayers of all the Jewish people through all the ages. But what Simeon couldn't see and what Simeon didn't know was that God was just getting started. Yes, Simeon, the consolation is here, but the comforter is coming Oh, you didn't get that. Let me just back that up. The, the, the consolation is here. God with us. But the comforter is coming. God in us. <laughs> That's why Jesus said it was necessary for him to go away so the Holy Ghost could be poured out and take the gospel not only to the Jews but to the Gentiles and to everyone everywhere. Today, I'm glad to tell you, this apostolic church that you are part of, it is worldwide. You've got brothers and sisters you will never meet, maybe never even imagine that they exist on this side of heaven. But when you get there, you're gonna just see how big and how all-encompassing and how worldwide this church actually is. And on that day, Simeon, as he held that little boy in his arms, that little baby, 40 days old. He took him up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. On that day, holding that little month-old baby in his arms, Simeon said, now that I've held the consolation in my arms, I can depart in peace. I have everything I need because I've held the consolation in my arms. If I never see another blessing, I can depart in peace because I've held the consolation in my arms. If I never have another good day, I can depart in peace. If I never experience another answered prayer, I can depart in peace, Lord, because I've held the consolation in my arms. If my life ends tomorrow, it's enough that I've held the consolation in my arms. And I would say something very similar. Jesus, now that I have the comforter in my heart, I can depart in peace. I have everything I need. 
You listen to me. If I never see another blessing, it's enough that I have the comforter. If I never have another good day, it's enough that I have the comforter. If I never experience an answer to another one of my prayers, I'm content, I'm blessed, I'm happy because I have the comforter in my heart. If my life would end tomorrow, it's enough, Jesus. You privileged me to live my life with the comforter in my heart. The comforter has come. I've had the Holy Ghost for nearly 50 years. And this experience is both precious and powerful to me like it is to so many of you. The Holy Ghost, the Bible tells us, is both a spiritual birth, John 3, 6, and a spiritual baptism, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost is the seal of God's promise and it is the earnest of our inheritance, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. The Bible tells us that this Holy Ghost is living water that flows out of our belly like a river, John 7, 38 and 39. And the same Bible tells me that this comforter, this Holy Ghost is power from on high, according to Luke 24 and 49. Isaiah said in chapter 28, verse 11 and 12, that the Holy Ghost would be the rest that God gives us when we are weary. And Paul said, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of adoption. It places us in God's family and it makes us heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ according to Romans 8, 14 to 17. This is the comforter. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the Holy Ghost. Don't you let anybody, anywhere, anytime, for any reason make you feel a little silly that you're one of those tongue-talking Pentecostals in the Bible there is no other kind of Christian except a tongue-talking Pentecostal believer baptized in the only saving name of Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not shy about it. I have the comforter in me. It is Christ in me. Woo. The hope of glory. I wish you'd lift up your hands and you heard me say it all the time and lift your voice higher than your hands. The comforter is not just here, he's here. The comforter isn't just with us, he's in us. The comforter has come. The greatest gift God could ever give humanity. The comforter has come. Ropa telehesia roto la John uses that word comforter, parakletos, four times in his gospel and one other time in the New Testament in his first epistle. But it's translated differently in English in that verse. So you'll miss it if you're not looking for it. 1 John 2 and 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. That's the goal. That's the standard. That's the target. But because you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ the righteous. Advocate is the Greek word parakletos, one called to help. Even when we sin, even when we fail, even when we fall, and even when we don't measure up, the Holy Ghost is one called near to help. He's my bread when I'm hungry. He's my water when I'm thirsty. He's my strength when I'm weak. He's my joy in times of sorrow. He is my hope for tomorrow. He is my shelter in the time of every storm. He is my rock and he is my shield and he is my fortress and he is my strong tower. He is my comforter. I don't know what you need tonight, but I got a message for you. He's your comforter. He can come closer than anybody. He can come nearer than anyone. He can lift you when nobody else can lift you. He can help you when nobody else can help you. He can deliver you when nothing else can deliver you because he's the comforter. He's not just God with us. He's God in us. The greatest gift God could ever have conceived was to put his spirit in frail human flesh. He did it in the incarnation when he came to this earth and it was magnificent and supernatural. <laughs> but he blew the devil's mind when he took that same spirit. If the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Do you understand that the same spirit that inhabited the body of the man Christ Jesus raised the dead, opened blinded eyes, made cripples walk, opened deaf ears, cleansed lepers? Do you realize that same spirit dwells in you? It blew the devil's mind. It still blows my mind. Simeon lived his entire life anticipating the first appearing of Jesus. I've decided to live my life in anticipating the second appearing of Jesus. Simeon got his prayer answered because every day he was looking for the consolation of Israel. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us about being ready for the second coming of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Anybody looking for Jesus? Oh, I know you're busy. It's Christmas week. I know you're busy. There's all kinds of things to do and they're all wonderful. They're all delightful and fun and, and necessary and beautiful. I wouldn't rob you one second of your celebration. But no matter what day of the year it is, I hope there's something in you that keeps one eye on the eastern sky. I hope there's something in you that just looks and longs and waits for his appearing 
unto them that look for him. Yeah, so many people will miss it because they're not looking for him. Titus, Paul wrote to him and he said, Titus, here's, here's how we live, Titus. Here's how you pastor, Titus. Here's how you lead, Titus. Here's what you preach and teach. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If I could give you a gift to lead into this Christmas season in the week of Christmas, it would be a couple of things. Number one, to realize that the comforter is the greatest gift you have ever, will ever receive. The comforter, Christ in you. But the second thing I'd give you is an awareness that Jesus is coming soon. They didn't expect him the first time. They don't expect him the second time. They weren't looking for him the first time. Only Simeon. The world isn't looking for him the second time. But hey, Jesus, there are some people still living on this planet. We are looking for that great appearing, that glorious appearing, that blessed hope. I'm done. I just came to preach to you for a few minutes tonight. The comforter has come. Who? Would you pray in the Holy Ghost right now? There's something so powerful in this service. Would you just pray in the Holy Ghost right now? I don't know what you're walking through this season. I don't know what trials you've got in your life. I don't know what dark nights you're facing or what storms you're negotiating, but I do know this, the comforter has come. The one that stood in the bow of a ship and said, peace be still, his spirit can stand in the bow of your heart and say, peace be still. Oh, that's nice and good, but I'd wish you'd stand and lift your hands like a couple of antennas, and I wish you'd begin to worship the Lord Jesus in this room. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. The comforter, the comforter has come. He's here with us, but he's here in us. Yes, 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 yes. Kathy, come back and help me, would you please? For some of you, this might involve moving a few steps. That will not hurt you. Would you find somebody and just lay your hand on their shoulder and let's pray as family tonight. Everybody, just find one person to pray with or a couple, whatever. I just want you to pray with somebody. Those of you that are filled with the Holy Ghost, you already have the comforter in you. Pray in the spirit. Pray in that language that God put in you the day that the comforter came into your life. He's the Holy Ghost ghost sent down from heaven. He is the father's promise given. He is power from on high. He is the down payment, the earnest of our inheritance. He's the comforter. He's not just with us. He's in us. 
Rebo lotta la basso, reba te la bossa. Soto reba bacote la siaba. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes. Soto reba le da la bosche bahate kesa. I worship you, God. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and I hope you get something you wanted. But the greatest gift you could ever have has already been given to you. The comforter has come. The comforter has come. I'm going to invite Pastor back and he'll pray over us in a second. But before we do that, just one final time. If it is true, and it is, that God gave us his very best. If it is true, and it is, that he gave us the greatest gift that heaven could have ever conceived of. If that is true, and it is. We're just frail human flesh. Our worship, no matter how wonderful and good it is, always falls short. But it's worth making the attempt because when you worship him, the comforter begins to move. Could we offer a great Christmas gift of worship to the Lord Jesus? He came, he's worthy. Lift him up with your praise. Offer to him the sacrifice of your thanksgiving, the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name, all because the comforter has come. Thank you, Jesus.